Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for calling. Thank you for being on Fire Talk Radio. My name is Adam Grigsby, and I'm here live with Deborah Lacewell. And tonight we're going to be talking about salvation and the love of God. Uh, and we're going to be continuing off of uh, last night. We ran a short broadcast last night on these subjects. Tonight we're going to be recapping that and then going deeper into the love of God and believing God's going to fill us all with His Spirit and a fresh move of the Spirit by the love of God tonight. So, Deborah, what do you got for us? Well, you know, I had a lot of scriptures and um, that I was thinking about. John 3.16 uh, through 17 is one of them. And uh, I'm going to be looking that up right now. John 3:16 through 17. You know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever calls upon His name, whoever believes in Him, shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Adam. And, and, you know, and that's really the whole thing is that God loved us so much that he was willing to die for us. You know, um, last, last night, uh, Deborah mentioned, um, we talked about how Jesus left the 99 to go get the one. And so the big thing that came out of last night was is that uh, Jesus would have, uh, he, if you were the only person alive on this planet, Jesus still would have come down to form a man, lived and died, just to, just to spend eternity with you individually. So it's not just that God so loved the world, it's that God so loved you. And uh, well, and you might say, well, Adam, how do you know that? And the answer is, is that there's a story in the Bible where Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee, and you know he goes over there and he finds this man who is so demon possessed, like he's going to the tombs, he's breaking chains. Nobody wants to go near this guy. And if you brought it to modern day, this would be a guy in a mental asylum. You know, in a straight jacket, and the only thing that keeps him from killing himself and others is the fact that they keep him on sedatives and keep him to where he can. And, you know, the only reason he's not dead is because laws will not him be killed. It's safe to say he has no friends, and nobody would really care about him except Jesus. So Jesus goes to one guy, delivers him, but after Jesus delivers him, he goes back across the sea again. So Jesus did this all for one man. Bible says, as the sand is on the seashore, so are his thoughts towards us. Now, the thing about it is, like, people exaggerate. Like, guys write love poems to their to their wives or to their girlfriends. You know, I would climb the highest for you. I would do this and that for you. But God means it. And when God says, he, you know, as the sand is on the seashore, so are his thoughts towards us, that would mean that, that that's a lot of sand. I mean, there's, it's estimated that there's like uh, over a, a million grains of sand in just one cubic foot of sand. But God's saying, my thoughts towards you are more than all the sand on the seashore, which is which is, which is just really amazing. So, Deborah, what do you have to say about that? I, I think that's powerful. I mean, of all the grains of, of sand in the, in, in the whole entire world, that to me is... is, is, is you pick up a, a handful of sand, just imagine when you're at the beach. If you can imagine, listeners, that when you're at the beach, you, you're holding, you pick up a grain of sand, 
and all those grains slide through your fingers. And you couldn't even begin to even count them, even if you tried, just in that handful, just in a little little bit. But then looking at the whole entire beach, I mean that's that's a lot of that's a lot of sand and just counting those little grains. And that's just in one beach or just one section of beach that we can see or that we can walk on. And imagining my goodness. Wow, that's that's a that's that's a lot of a lot of uh, that is it's amazing, Adam. So so right now, um, there's scriptures that I have that shows the love of God. The Bible says that we're ministers of reconciliation. So God's whole main purpose outside of intimacy with us is for us to be ministers of the gospel, ministers of reconciliation, tell other people about Jesus. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come let us now reason together, saith Jehovah, though your sins may be scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So God, even though the Bible says that those who do not believe are condemned already, even though all of mankind has sinned against the Lord and is condemned to this place called, eventually, the lake of fire, God's saying, hey, come reason with me, that even though this this is hanging over you, I want to take that away from you. Um, 5.21 says, him who knows sin, he, he was made sin, on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, I mean, Jesus came to the earth for one purpose, to, to die on a cross for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we were people that were living opposite to him, opposed to him. Who, uh, but the Bible says that he came to his own, and his own knew him not. Yet he came to his own, and he did he did all just for these people. That's love. That's love so beyond comprehension. I mean, a lot of us get mad at people in traffic, but Jesus... You know, but Jesus came to earth and died for a bunch of people that you know that really wanted nothing, that really wanted nothing to do with him. That's the tr- that is true true love. And lastly, uh, um, the Bible says in Ephesians two five it says even when we are dead in our trespasses he made us alive together with Christ by grace we're saved. He did this because God being rich in mercy he did it out of his great love with which he loved us. So it's uh, every he did it all out of love. He did it because of his great unconditional love with love for us. We can all say that scripture that even while we were dead in our trespass, he did this. And uh, so that's always just amazing to me that the you know, and and that's really love that he chose us and that we're supposed to that love to each other. And even though we might have people around us that aren't loving us, we still have to love them. We can only do that with this revelation, Deborah. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about I think about those scriptures and some you know similar ones as well. Like it might be a different version, or but I think about yeah, like you were saying, while we get sinners, Christ died for us in 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 our sin. He loves us so much that he died for us. He was born to die. Literally, he left all of heaven, all of heaven's glory. I mean, the streets are made of nothing but pure gold, transparent gold. I mean, that's the streets in heaven, mansions, and every gate is like a pearl and and beautiful, beautiful jewels. I mean, that's a wonderful, awesome 
I mean, my goodness, this paradise is indescribable to what we have. I mean, from what I understand, the colors are like living and vibrant and electric. And plus, he is the creator of all, of all the earth and, and he made us, but he was born to die. And he, and he was, came here. He humbled himself. He could have been born at 33 years old or 30 years old if he wanted. I mean, think about it. He can do anything, but he chose to be born a baby. To be formed in the womb, to be created in the womb, and to grow in the womb, and then be born. And when he was born, he grew up just like any other kid. He skinned his leg or he, and, and got hurt. And then when he eventually reached 30, you know, his ministry started. But the thing is, he was born to die out of love, and he did it all for love. Adam? Amen. And like I said, as I was saying before, now we have to carry that love to other people. Um, it's, it's so crucial. The Bible says that, you know, Paul says in the, in the Gospels, he says that when we preach the Gospel, in the Epistles, I'm sorry, that when we preach the Gospel, it's as if God himself is pleading through us to reconcile to God. You know, and Jesus says in the Gospel, he says, all day long I hold out my hands. And he, and he was speaking of Israel at that time and saying that they were a disobedient people. He's saying, yet, yeah, I hold out my hands all day long. Before God ever brought kind of judgment or punishment people, it was, he would always send messengers to warn people he doesn't want to do this, but he wants to bring people back to himself. But God's cry is like all God's Bible. He's always reaching out to man, chasing after man, coming after man. Saying, you know, saying, I love you, I want to be with you for eternity. His, like his pursuit, if you just look through it from Israel, you know, he starts with Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, and the first thing God is saying, you know, after Adam's sin is, Adam, where are you? You know, and then, and that, and that message carries throughout the rest of the Bible. You know, Israel would turn away, but God would send out messengers and do whatever he could to bring them back to himself, you know, and, and, and with what we just were talking about, how... So now, once we're Christians, you know the, the Bible says that don't be like a horse that has to be drugged with bit or brittle. Uh, you know, like horses, they have to have like things put in their mouths to control them. God doesn't want us to be like that. God has to constantly have to reach out to us, grab us, to warn us, and things of that nature. God's looking for people that will love, return the love with which he's loved us. It starts with him loving us, but now once we receive that love, you know, maybe we also return that love to them. Oh, wow, that's that, that powerful. My goodness, wow, I feel his love right now. It's like once we receive that love, to return that love to him. And that that we just, that we, that we love him. And it says if... Um, if we love our brother and, and we're, you know, because if we have, the, the, if we'd speak in the tongues of angels but not, have not love, then we're nothing. And and it talks about that and it, it says we can do all kinds of things. We can become a martyr. We can give everything we own to the poor. And we can, we can do all these things. But if we're not, if we don't have love, we're, in one version says we're bankrupt for nothing. And so, I just uh, you know, without love, we are we are nothing. 
because it, it nothing else counts from it. Everything is based on love. And it says in uh, John thirteen thirty four through 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Adam? Amen. And so that's really the sign that we really receive the love of God. Um, you know, the fact is a lot of a lot of people, because we live in a, a very broken generation, you know, many would call it the fatherless generation, and that's really a whole different topic in and of itself. But because of that, the hardest thing for a lot of people to receive is the love of God, you know, myself included. I mean, as I uh, talked about on the the uh, broadcast the other night, was is that I walked into my room one day feeling pretty down about myself, and then God told me that he considered me worth dying for. And um, that was just amazing to me. Because, you know, a lot of people, myself included, have a vision of Jesus that, you know, he did it because, you know, he kind of felt like he had to. But, no, he, he did it because he considered us worth dying for. Like, if you paid, you know, the worth of that, the worth of something is determined by the purchaser. You know, if some guy goes out and buys a gold ring, it's because he and paid 2000 because he considered that gold ring worth more than the $2,000. So when Jesus laid his life down on the cross, it's because he considered us worth more than his own life. So and then we're, we're talking about the Son of God. So that's just, um, again, it just goes back to beyond our comprehension. Uh, it's our prayer on this show, like the scripture says, that we may maybe even begin to grasp what is the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Deborah? Yeah, you know, that makes me think about when you talk about how the... The example you give about the purchaser, you know, purchasing something. And one one day I was having a, uh, I was singing to the Lord. I was singing a song, and it was uh, some of the words were, "You are the love of my life. You are the hope that I cling to. You mean more than this world to me. I wouldn't trade you for silver or gold." I wouldn't trade you for riches untold. You are my everything. And then, you know, the Lord, he started to sing that back to me, and he said, you are the love of my life. You are the hope that I cling to. And basically he said when he was clinging to the cross, he looked back over time and and, and, and time and space and creation, and he saw me, and I gave him strength. I gave him hope. You gave him strength because he saw you and you gave him hope to hold on to that cross and not give in. If you mean more than this world to me, I wouldn't trade you for silver or gold. I wouldn't trade you for riches untold. You are my everything. You know, Satan tempted him with, with he took him to the high mountain and he tempted him and showed him all the all the things, all the the cities in the world and all the places and all the things that he could have had, riches. And he could have basically had a lot of stuff that Satan tempted him with. Yes, Jesus bowed down and worshipped him. But Jesus 
He didn't give in to that temptation. Now it was a temptation because God, Jesus could have given in, but he didn't. So because we, you, are his everything, and I am his everything. Adam? Man, and, you know, it, what's amazing is, like, the Bible even goes into, you know, why we preach the gospel. The only reason we always preach the gospel is that men may be can reconcile to God. They may, that God may have to stand, stand there and tell them, you know, depart from me, I never knew you one day. Brother can say, enter into the joy of the Lord. I mean, the Bible says that the joy that's set before me endured the cross. So it's, there, God never makes God happy, whoever has to spend some hell. But men, unfortunately, you know, choose that, and God, and it's never God's heart. But that's the whole reason we preach the gospel. And, and, and along with that, there's this that I saw one day, uh, and this is what the Bible says about why we preach the gospel. This is Paul when he uh, got saved. And this and Paul and God's getting ready to send Paul into the Gentiles, uh, the non-Jewish people. They too may receive salvation. And he says, "Arise, stand on the for this end I have appeared unto thee, a minister and a witness before the things wherein thou hast seen me, and the things wherein I will appear to thee." And this is, by the way, Acts chapter six, uh, twenty-six, sixteen. And then we go to seventeen. And it says, "Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I send thee, to open their eyes." that they might turn from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God, they might receive a remission of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by me. And you've got this world full of people that don't know God, first God's name, God's name, I'm going to send you to them, tell them about this, they might receive an inheritance. You know, um, I've watched movies before where, you know, some nobody... You know, usually it's like a comedy, and like some nobody gets notification that he had some people that died somewhere, left him $30 million, and he goes from like nothing to $30 million. And, uh, but in order for him to receive the inheritance, somebody has to come tell him, well, we have, well, we have inheritance. And that inheritance is what Deborah was talking about. It's, it's knowing Jesus, it's the heavenly city, it's, it's, it's eternal life. And uh, and God wants, and not only do we, and once we have this inheritance, God's telling us, I want you to go out and share this inheritance with other people that don't know me. I want you to tell them about the inheritance that I have for them. You know, because there's another inheritance, and that's Satan's inheritance, which is the lake of fire. But God's saying, I don't want them to have that inheritance. I want you to go share them. I, I, he's literally saying, I want you to go to them, that they might receive an inheritance among them, which are sanctified by me. And... Uh, so you could do a whole broadcast just subject of our inheritance in Christ. Well, let's just say the, the inheritance is amazing. You can share it with billions. It would never diminish. And God's saying, don't keep it to yourself. Go share it. And the last thing before I say, before I turn it back over to uh, Deborah, is there's a story in the Old Testament about these lepers. And these are, these are the reject of society, these lepers. They're sitting outside the city gate, and God's pronounced to drive the inhabitants of this city, of this other city out, and they go into the city and they find the wealth of this city, and they find all this food because at the time, you know, their city was in a famine. And uh, so they find all this stuff, and, you know, there's stuff in their pockets. One of them wipes up and goes, hold on, hold on. If we don't actually go share this treasure that we found, 
you know, judgment might come upon us. You know, so in the same way, if we as Christians don't share this inheritance, then, you know, when we stand before the Lord, it may not be well with us because we had it, but we never shared it. You know, and uh, that's why Paul says, quoted me if I don't preach the gospel. That's how great this inheritance is. So great, it's about the false's will to us if we don't share it. Deborah. Yeah, that's powerful right there. You know, that's just if we don't if we don't share it, I mean, we're held accountable for that, and uh, we don't have to be in the fivefold ministry to to preach the gospel and to tell people about the treasure and the inheritance that they have. And um, also, I was looking in uh, the scripture when I was telling you about the new, about heaven and what it's like, I I pulled it up, the scripture in Revelation 21, and it talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a cloud, I heard a loud voice, I heard a loud voice, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more pain, I mean, no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God. They will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical art, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be confined to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and with twelve angels at the gate. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel, there were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The 
the angel who talked with me. It talks about measurements here, and then it goes down. And it says the wall was the wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious jewel, every precious stone. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, agate. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, onyx. The sixth, ruby. The seventh, crystallite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, turquoise. The eleventh, jasmine. And the twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. And and I tell you right there, of of all of, of what God of what Jesus left, I mean God you know, he sent his only son. <clears throat> we were talking about in the first scripture. God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. And that was Jesus. And that was really God that came down in, in human form. And and he left all of that for you. And he left all of that for me. And to live as a humble human for you and me. Adam? And... and just the list, the, all the steps we can share on the love of God are endless. Uh, what we really want to share on now is like salvation. If you know that, if you know that, hey, you're not living for Jesus. If you listen to this, and but you want to, and you say, you know, I mean, if my choice, my my choice of my inheritance is the lake of fire or heaven, I'd rather have heaven, and that's a wise choice. And the, uh, the Bible says that all of sin to come short of the glory of God. It says the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Bible says, in the, as in the scripture I quoted earlier, it says, again, come now, let us reason together, say Jehovah, though your sins may be scarlet, I shall make them white as snow. Coming to Jesus is as simple as acknowledging that you've sinned against him, believing that he is, and died and rose for you, and confessing him as your Lord and Savior, and then meaning that, of course, with your heart and, you know, saying, Jesus, you know, the best I know how, I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to choose to live for you and make you Lord of my life. Uh, And if you'll do that, and then, you know, one day you'll stand before him and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, not depart from me, I never knew you, which, again, is the whole purpose. It's God's heartbeat. It's why he died. He died for the moment to hear you ask him to come in. And be and him be your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. So Jesus left the ninety nine to go get the one. And because of that one, all heaven rejoices. It's a big party. All heaven rejoices over just one person who repents. And um, you know, there's before I go any further, you know, to, to illustrate that, you know, there was um, a story of a lady that she's now, I mean, her great-great-granddaughter is alive now, but she, the, the salvation is passed generations from a lady who was in Greek culture, and uh, one day she was, uh, they were having like a Greek folk dance, 
And this woman heard a voice speak to her and said, this dance has no value, speak the eternal dance. And uh, she didn't know what had spoken to her. Later she realized it was the voice of God. So, but she, she went home and wanted to hear, wanted to know what this was that was speaking to her. And, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that salvation is always accompanied by supernatural dreams and visions and such, but I'm saying in this case, you know, she really, there was a real experience that is carried down from generations to generations. And what happened with her is she came, if she went into her room, it's like she went into, she, it's like she was like transported in, in the spirit, if you will, basically where God wanted to show her something. And she basically saw the scene of the cross before she saw Jesus dying for her sins. And then she saw a, a valley, like a chasm, if you will, over, went over to the chasm. And there was all this fire belching up out of the chasm, and she could hear the cries and tormented streams coming from the chasm. And you understand, without the love of, without Jesus' death on the cross, without without us having him, without us being born again, we are enemies of God. We are reprobate, and we are we are His enemies. But the good news is that God loves His enemies and wants to make those enemies His friends. But at this point, she was still in an unregenerate state, and basically, she said that she felt something force her head down into the chasm and said, this is where you belong. But she began to cry out to God. Then, again, she was able to look over at the cross, and then she heard a voice speak her again say, he did it for you, and if you'll believe in this, then you don't have to go there. So she cried out to the Lord, and an angel came and took her, and an angel and Jesus came and took her to the throne of the Father, and understand, she's a, she's not a believer. She doesn't know any of these things. She doesn't know the scriptures. But when she relates the story, everything she's saying is in the Word of God. And she saw this from the throne with a book. She saw her name written in the book. And then the father, and then the, and then the the father told her she had to go back because he had a work for her to do. But then later, but later on, after after her life is over, she would be able to come back there and be with him for eternity. And in the end of it, the angels begin to dance around her and begin to and begin to and begin to shout her name because she had come to eternal life. So this is real. I mean, these the you know these angels that rejoice over you, the father that rejoices over you. The Bible says he sings over us. So God is real, and he wants nothing more than you to come to the knowledge of eternal life. So if you would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can say this with me with your heart, with your heart, say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Set me free. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Fill me with your spirit. Give me passion for the lost, hunger for the things of God, and boldness to preach your gospel. And if you prayed that and you meant that, then you are now born again. Jesus is now your Lord and Savior. And I would encourage you to begin to get in the Bible. I think the book of John is a great place to start. And begin to go through the New Testament. Ask God to speak to you. Pray every day and find yourself all in Bible-believing church to go to where they will teach you the Word of God. And where, and, go, and where the power of God is there, where, the, where they pray for miracles, and they believe in the healing of the sick, and they believe in evangelism. I would also recommend you go to Revival.com, and uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of great services there, and a lot of tools there to help you also go out and share your faith. So, and uh, we're going to do an episode on just soul winning here, uh, so I'm not going to get really deep into that, but just want to encourage anyone here who's picked for or has rededicated their life that the love of God is, is never changing towards 
his love for you is so real. And uh, so right now what, we're gonna, what we'd like to do uh, is I'm going to give this back over to Deborah, and after she says what she wants to say, we're going to start opening it up for um, people to call in if anyone's, uh, for anyone that's listening and uh, take any kind of prayer requests. Deborah, what, you have anything? Yes, I was looking at 1 John 4.10. It says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, to be the propitiation propitiation for our sins. And that's in 1 John 4.10. And in 1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. And I was thinking about all of those things, like about what you said, if, um, you know, the lady still had a choice who had that experience. She still had a choice on whether or not she, she chose heaven or or hell, and that that was her place. And I think that's awesome uh, that she, you know, chose, chose heaven, but there are some people out there might be thinking, well, you know, if, if I die or if I have a vision or... Maybe maybe I won't have to worry about it because because that you know God will just just give me another chance. But I w- I wouldn't risk that. You want to open the phone lines and see yeah. if anybody has so, any prayer. Tell anybody listening what number to call. To, to okay, in. yeah. All right. Well, everybody, here's the number to call. It's six four six six eight. Two zero nine three. That is six four six 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 eight two zero nine three. And I'll be getting that number on and off here. And we still have one hour and twenty two minutes before we have to go, which is off the air. So you're more than welcome to call in. If any questions or any comments, and also call us if you <clears throat> excuse me, call in if you pray the prayer of salvation, or if you're too bashful about that, you can always leave us a comment when this episode is podcast. Adam. Yeah. So, like I said, yeah, leave comments. Hmm. Um, we'll check them regularly and pray over any um, prayer requests for sickness. Uh, rejoice with you over testimonies of salvation, whatever the case may be. Uh, this, of course, will be posted not only so that people can listen to it live, but it can also hear it later. So um, a lot more people will be able to hear this and uh, potentially come to the knowledge of the Lord uh, through this program. Uh, you know, while we're, wait, while we're uh, waiting on call-ins, uh, we got kind of started kind of late tonight. We wanted to just, just wanted to do a little bit of testimony time. Uh, Deborah, tell us about how you came to know. We're talking about the love of God and salvation. I think it'd be a good place to go. Deborah, tell tell us how you came to know the Lord. How did you come to salvation? <clears throat> well, I you know I was raised in a religious uh, religious church. I was raised in in a religious one, and um, I just I was raised in a religious church where I was I believed and I was taught that God was up in heaven, and if I did anything wrong, He was going to beat me over the head with a stick. That's how I was raised. Anything I had to do works, and I had to do penance, and I had to, you know, I was also raised to believe that there's a purgatory, which I later found out is is not true. 
Um, but in all the essence, I was back and forth, back and forth, back slid in a lot. Um, back and forth, like around the mountain, kind of marbly bush kind of thing. And then I was I was listening to this uh, Christian radio quite a lot, and this DJ on there, he said he was telling this to people listening. He says, if you want to, um, you know, he says, why don't you, why don't you, um, just for one week, do everything, just you know, put aside all the secular stuff, and even if you read one chapter of the Bible a day, or or watch Christian television. For an all day or whatever, just for a week, and try that. And I started to do that, and the more I did it, the more the more that I, I I got hungry for the love of God. And then one day, the DJ on the air uh, did a salvation, an altar call, and I just said it right there. And he also did an uh, an a, a prayer for. So he did a prayer, repeated the prayer, and then he also did a prayer for. Um, receiving the Holy Spirit, but he didn't really do the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which I know we'll, we'll get into another full, long total subject on, but uh, he did do the baptism and all that, but at least I, you know, I was more aware and, and something changed for me that day, and I pressed into the Lord more and more, and I got hungrier and hungrier, and uh, and that's uh, how the Lord how the Lord fought after me, but I look at the times of and I had to say, I, I, I circled that mountain a lot, and I was back putting on and off, on and off, back and forth, and, you know, around the mountain. It's like a hamster on that wheel or a mouse on that wheel going nowhere, going around the mountain, going the same, nowhere, pretty much the same place, or nowhere, really. But um, in all that time, the Holy Spirit still sent people to minister to me, whether it was through a word or an email or a phone call or even a music video on television, um, things like that. So that's pretty much kind of it in a synopsis. Well, and what, you know, what would you say that since that time, what what has God done in your life? Like how has your life changed since you've come to know the Lord? Well, since I've come to know the Lord, my life has changed in so many ways. In so many ways as as to... I've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God has burned out a lot of things in my life, a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of stuff I was dealing with, or past hurts, or just whatever the case may be. And I've grown closer to the Lord. I feel a closer, a closeness to Him. He's changed me. I've gone to Bible school. I've done two years of Bible college, and I um I graduated cum laude. And for me, that's a big deal because I never graduated high school. I got my diploma, but the first time I ever actually did a graduation was when I actually was the first time with my first year when I walked across the stage and got my diploma in first year of Bible college. And so he's done a he's done a, he's done a lot, and I've changed in those ways. And uh, I I he's given me a passion for the lost, um, a hunger for the things of God. He's given me a passion to preach his word, to uh, witness about him, and to tr- to lead people to the Lord. And when I'm about to say the following number, I don't in any way give myself credit for it. I give all the glory to God and the Holy Spirit, you know, the heaven, the Jesus. But uh, since I've been taught 
to lead people to the Lord. Um, and I've, you know, gone into, <clears throat> excuse me, in the trainings and all that since I've been taught that since 2007 on and off for like, um, since then to now, I've led 7,000 people to the Lord. And, um, so I, again, I don't give any credit or glory to myself. It's really kind of like a testimony telling you what God's done in my life because, the other, you know, I don't, I don't take any credit for that, but I, I take, I, I give credit to God for the whole, you know, that working in me and giving me His heart for the law. So um, I would say part, pretty much that, and if I think of anything else, I might, I might throw it in there, Adam. Okay, and you know, myself, it's like the way I came, I came to know the Lord was, um, I was a very accomplished sinner. You know, I was. Uh, Drinking, partying, um, all sorts of things. I came up in a background uh, around drugs my entire life, pretty much, and especially in my teenage years. And um, you know, my my dad. I think my 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 real dad had left when I was one, and I was raised by my stepdad. And um, I think he did the best he could. But then what had happened is he had gotten hurt at work and started turning to drugs a lot more now in order to uh, deal with the pain. And eventually, you know, my stepdad went out into a garage and shot himself in the heart. And by that time, I was so smart that I just didn't care. And um, I was just in, you know, time went by, and um, the only Christian influence I'd had in my life had been my grandparents, who were probably, um, I almost guarantee you, the ones that prayed me into the kingdom. Because it's like I would get letters from them on a regular basis telling me that they're praying for me. And this is why I'm, you know, still, you know, I'm like the heavy metal guy and I'm listening, I'm doing the drugs and everything. And um, but then what would happen was is I would like watch like late night Christian TV. Um, they were talking about like the end times and they were talking about like the rapture and people going to be with Jesus. And I would, they would show pictures and I would, and as a guy who had been rejected his, all, his whole life, Trying to imagine myself one day being rejected by Jesus wasn't a, comfort, a very comforting thought. So, you know, but I kind of let it go, but years went by, but that stayed with me. And um, I began to, I was drawing, you know, and I can't remember, I remember picking up this huge white, like, um, coffee table Bible in my friend's house that probably no one ever read. It was just there for, like, decoration to look religious. Uh, but I started picking it up and started, like, reading it and trying to find out what was right and what was wrong. And by the time I closed it, my hand would be shaking. I, I knew that um, my life was not right with the Lord. And right around that time, uh, a friend of mine or in school, well, not even really a friend, he's just a guy who befriended me, and uh, he wanted to start doing some things together. And I had no friends, really, by that time. Uh, I had alienated all my friends by my craziness. And... Uh, and what was going on in my life, he, you know, I would go over to his place, and his mom would say, okay, well, he can come over, he can even stay the night, but then he has to come to church with us in the morning. So by this time, God had already worked in my heart. So one Sunday, finally, on a Sunday morning, in, you know, 4A Baptist Church in Colorado, you know, in front of a bunch of uh, country folk, farmers, I went forward and uh, my, my, my crazy tattooed self, I went forward and, you know, in my life today and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And what really impacted me was that even that Baptist preacher, you know, he looked at me in the face and said, now you understand 
that when you give your life to Jesus, that he is your master. You know, you're not just praying some religious prayer. He is your master. You are giving your life to him. And I said yes, and um, and since then, um, sure, it was uh, the Bible said Jesus. You know, the scripture I was in Jesus said I didn't come to bring peace, but I bring came to bring a sword. And the Bible says all who live godly in Christ will be persecuted. There was some persecution that came from my drug dealing family because now I'm telling them uh, I can't take any money from the stuff that they buy anymore, and I can't do this and I can't do that, and I have to make a separation. You know. Um, the girl that I was with at that time who I was planning on marrying, she left because uh, uh, she wasn't planning on going Jesus anytime soon. And she wasn't really happier on this guy that uh, was just preaching to her all the time. And um, and then what, but I realized I was in the country. I'd given up everything and I had nothing. So I cried out for God to get me out of the country because I knew that, I mean, I couldn't stay there. But it happened. Uh, my mom kept urging me to talk to my real dad uh, you know, because she had a contact with him here in uh, Florida. And I finally caved in, and I gave him a call. And so for the first time since I was, like, one, which obviously at that time I wasn't talking, uh, I was talking to my dad on the phone at, like, you know, 17 years of age. And he offered me to come stay with him in Florida. And uh, so literally within nine months of my being saved, I was on a Greyhound coming out to Florida and reconciled with my real dad who had also uh, rededicated his life to the Lord the same year, but before we even knew each other. And he, so I stayed with him for a while, and uh, and, and, and on. from that time on, God has, you know, you know, he's he stabilized me, he made me a more person, uh, someone who can actually, you know, hold down a job, work, do things, be a, be a contributing member of society, you know, uh, Many souls to Jesus have uh, uh, been a, has come to Christ, so I know that I'm leading people out of hell into heaven for all of eternity, and there's really no greater impact you can make. And um, on top of that, I also um, am a 30-year graduate uh, uh, with a bachelor's degree from the same school that Deborah mentioned uh, for full-time ministry, and now we're doing this. So the things that God's done in my life um, have been... I, I was I was I was I was on a track to nowhere, but uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that says uh, that you know that God that God restores, and that's exactly what He's done in my life and has continued in my life, and that's what He wants to do for everybody listening. Uh, Deborah, that's so true. You know, and Joel talks about I'll restore to you the years uh, that that the canker worm has eaten. And I basically, you know, he's going to restore it. He's going to restore the years to us that that were stolen, or that, you know, I've made a I've made a lot of mistakes too myself, and and uh, I've done a lot of stuff. But you know, he's he promised to restore the time that was stolen, that the enemy stolen, and that we we did ourselves as well. And uh, he promised to restore the years of the canker worm, the palmer worm. I'm not quoting it verbatim, but. He promised to restore all of that to us. And, you know, I just, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that he is the God of restoration and that he loves us and that he restores those years. And so, I don't know, I'm just thinking about how, how awesome he is and that leaving the 99 to to be with, you know to be with us to find us 
I mean, because yeah, you know, the other night we were sharing about about um, about the ninety nine that Jesus left the ninety nine sheep, or he was giving a parable of the ninety nine sheep, and uh, leaving the ninety nine healthy ones to find those that were uh, those that were. The one that was lost, and then that's when you shared that that story about the the man, the man from Gathering. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. And uh, so um, you were sharing about that, and I was just gonna look it up in the Bible here real quick. It's in Luke 15, and it talks about and Jesus spoke. It's in Luke 15, verse three. And it says, And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Adam? Amen. And that's really what uh, this keeps going back to, is the, the love that God has for you individually. Everything we've said about tonight, our testimonies, Testimonies, everything, um, are basically to say God wants to love you, God wants to restore you, and God wants to touch your life. And I think Deborah's telling us that we got a caller. Yes, we have a caller on the line. I just need to answer the phone and let's have a look. Hello, caller from 202. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I... Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. I've got him. It says he's on hold, and he's not on hold anymore, but let's see what happens here. Time again. What's your, what's your name, caller? Uh, my name is Joe. Maybe he's just listening. Hmm. Okay. He or she might just be listening, and if, uh... Oh, it is? Yeah, so, Joel, tell us a little bit about... Yeah, Joel. We're, we're talking, yeah, we're talking about salvation tonight. We're talking about salvation and the love of God. And uh, just tell us a little bit about uh, how you came to know Christ, Joel. How oh, I came to know Christ personally? Yes. Oh, um, well, I grew up in church. Um, mm-hmm. When I was younger, my, my mother was a children's church pastor. And she taught me the things of God when I was young. But I went through a rebellious stage when I was a teenager. And yeah, when I was a teenager into my mid twenties, I was rebellious. I wasn't uh, following God. I wasn't doing anything to develop my relationship with Him. Um, I was just just doing whatever I wanted to do. I just felt like the grace of God would cover all my sins. It didn't matter what I did. God would still love me, and I still would go to heaven because He loved me. But then I had a radical encounter with God. One day, I was just I fed up with uh, my life and the things that were going on with my life. And I cried out to God and I said, God, help me. I know there's so much more to life than this. I need you to help me. And the power of God fell and hit me. And, it, and I got consumed with the love of God. 
and I began to prophesy about how life and everything about life is about love and about God's love. And it's the purpose for life. The purpose for life is us being consumed with God's love and us coming to know God's love and having a relationship with him. And uh, ever since today, I've been living for God and I've been in full pursuit of his faith, his love. And uh, so there you have it. We have some pretty strong testimonies about things that God's doing in people's lives, how God has taken people that were sinning against them, that were living against his enemies, and yet reached out to them, died for them, and restored their relationship with them. You know, and as I'm, as I'm, as I'm hearing all these different things, you know, what's really impacting is just I'm thinking about times when people are rude to me and people are coming against me and that I don't always respond in that way. But this shows that the, 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 the topic of the love of God has been impacting my heart so much. I'm like, you know, we need to be, the Bible says that, you know, your only good goods that are good to you, what good is that? Even the, even the sinners, even the people that don't know God do that. So you, you love those that curse you, you love those that hate you, give to those that steal from you. It goes on to say these things, and it says that you might be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So it's like it's, we're just pr- my prayer is that the love of God through this program, through the Word of God, will fill our hearts so we might minister that love to hurting people. So I'll tell you what, you know, you can we can argue and debate all day, but no one can argue with love. And uh, the world doesn't even know what to do with that. The world, you know, and uh, and the, there's a great preacher I know of, and he said that uh, we'd always try to love this guy, and I would always throw it back in his face. And he said the Lord told him, you need to develop faith in the love of God. And he's like, he's like, what do you mean? And he says, and what the Lord told him is that, well, if you keep your faith that he's showing love, that you're going to reap love back. You know, and she said, when, it, when I died on the cross, I didn't reap a family. And so in the same way, if you keep, if you sow love, even if it's not from that source, you're going to reap love back. And I remember, like, one, there was a time in life when I, on the contrary, I was not being very loved. In fact, I was being very judgmental. And uh, without realizing it, and then I started having people that were, like, not exactly being loving towards me. And one of my friends, like, said, well, Adam, have you been sowing judgment? Because if so, that's why you're probably reaping judgment. Wow. And so the love, uh, it's so important that we don't just receive the love of God, but then we turn out and uh, give that love of God. And uh, one thing I want to say about the love of God is just we seem to have the weird understanding of what the love of God is uh, to the point where it's like we almost have, like, the, the scriptures on God's judgment and wrath are the judgment and wrath scriptures and the warnings, and then the love of God scriptures are really nice-sounding scriptures. But I want to say that the entire book, the entire Bible, has been given to us out of God's heart and out of God's love. And even those warnings and those, those things like that, those things that don't seem very loving from God, those things are warnings where God, out of his love, is saying, I want you to live for me, and I, I want you to live this way, that you might avoid those things, that you might avoid the lake of fire, that you might avoid any kind of judgment that would come on your life. I'm, I'm giving you these warnings out of love for you. The same way that a parent would give their warning a child not to run out into the street lest he get hit by a car, and the parent would probably tell their child very sternly not to do it. In the same way, God's warnings are out of love for us as well. And uh, we just, I just want to, it's always in my heart that people embrace the full word of God because he gave it to us out of his love. Deborah? Yes, that's, that's very, very powerful because you know, that, that he gave it out of, a, out of love. And then when you're talking about how 
you're talking about how, um, you know, if you sow judgment, you're going to reap judgment. If you sow love, you're going to reap that. And it's amazing because whatever we sow, it's like if you give holy clothes away to charity, and I'm not talking about because they're holy. I'm talking about because they have holes in them. You, 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 and then you're wondering why somebody's giving you something grungy back. You know, it's just, I don't know, sewing that love and, and, uh, it's, it's a, it's a powerful thing. You know, we have another caller on the line. Um, Joel, please hold the line. I'm going to put you on hold. If I hang up on you, I'm still learning this. Please call back. <laughs> okay. It's okay. So I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to try and put you on hold. And uh, and then I am going to put this other caller on. Hello, not, hello 931. Hey, how are you doing tonight? Hi, how are you? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, what's your name? Justin. Justin. Hi, Justin. Good to hear from you. Justin is a, another great man of God who has been greatly impacted by salvation and the love of God. Tonight, uh, for anybody calling in as a recap, uh, we are talking and listening, and we are talking about salvation and the love of God. And um, Justin I, is a man that I know, I'm really happy to have him on the show as a guest. And uh, Justin, tell us a little bit about, just in the last few months, where you were at and what God has done in your life. Well, you know, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, at the age of 16, you know, my dad put me out on the street. And so going through life, I didn't know what was going on, what I was going to be, where I was going to be when I grew up. All I knew was that I had to get everything that I needed however I could get it. And so I did a lot of really bad, you know, I was in and out of prison, in and out of jail, you know, and I got in a lot of trouble. And so... You know, I was I was homeless on the streets for almost three years, and then I moved down to Florida and become homeless again. And so, you know, once again, I'm traveling through life like there's got to be another way. I didn't have any clue who God was, but yet I kept finding myself crying out. So I'm like, God, is this is this really what you have for me? And then, you know, one day. The pastor at school stopped me, and he's like, hey, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and he's got a wonderful plan for your life? So, you know, I, I brushed it off because I dealt with, you know, my fair share of religious people that just want to pray with you and then walk away. And so, you know, later on that day, I ran into two more people, and, you know, they told me about God. They prayed with me, and then they ended up taking me in off the street they got me a scholarship. I go to school now, you know, and now it's like, you know, I'm doing outreaches. I'm getting other people saved, getting people saved. They're in the same situation I was in. And, I mean, God is good. I've definitely come a long way. Amen. So that's another example of, another example of the love of God. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that God is the father for the fatherless. That's what he did with Justin. You know, it's like God, his own, his natural dad picked him out on the streets. And I was talking about earlier how this is the father's generation. It really, really is. And uh, yet God said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that Justin, I want to be father. And that's what he's done in Justin. But in the, it didn't happen to Justin until one of, 
one of the children that had already received the inheritance went out and told Justin to have the same. And that's what we have to do so we can have more Justins. And uh, as again, the Bible says that the reason he's sending it is that people that don't know God might receive an inheritance among those who are those that are of the faith. So God's got an inheritance for us. And uh, just received that, Joel's received that, I've received that, Deborah's received that. But now we need to go out and share that with other people. Share this through the love of God. Uh, Deborah, anything on that? That is that is so true because because if uh, if somebody if, if people have not shared the love of God with Justin, then there's no telling where he would be. And there's there's anything could have. Anything could have happened. And if somebody had not shared the love of God with him, then then we don't know what would have happened. So it's really important to share the love of God with people and to to plant those seeds and, and in their lives because some, some plant the seed, some water the seed, and God gives the increase. And then some are able to, to reap that harvest. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just grateful that God shared the love with him. I'm grateful that, you know, that God shared, the, you know, that somebody shared the love of God with Justin and with Joel and with you and with me, because where would we be if not for that? Um, Joel, can you still hear us or talk if you wanted to join in the conversation? Maybe he might be on a hole or maybe he accidentally got disconnected. I don't know. Let me see here. But go ahead. Yeah, Joel. But no, Adam. Um, well, before uh, I have Joel say anything else, I do want to say, since we're talking about salvation, we've talked about the importance of going out and sharing the love of Jesus. I just want to briefly just give a, a quick uh, idea of how to exactly go about doing that. I think a lot of Christians, myself included, don't really share the gospel because they really don't know of a solid way of really going out and doing that. And so obviously there's different methods. Uh, but we found we have a method that we use. Uh, in our church and ornaments, uh, and that you work very, very well. And um, we're really, briefly, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do um, like a role play with Justin here real quick. And we're going to go back and forth, and we're going to demonstrate um, how to lead somebody to Jesus here on the air. And then uh, I'm going to share where people can go online and uh, get tools. And it really is as simple. It's, it's not sharing our opinion. It's not sharing our theology. It's not getting into religious arguments. It's simply sharing the gospel and giving people a chance to receive Jesus. So let's say I just, uh, you know, that guy underneath, that guy living on the street, and I was going to walk up to him. The first question I always ask is, hey, Justin, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and has a great plan for your life? Yeah, yeah, they have. Yeah, and and, and Justin, that's great, but if you were to die right now, Justin, I know for sure that you would go to heaven. Of course. Okay, and Justin, why would you say yes? Well, I'm a good person, you know. I try not to do anything wrong. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, here's let me read you what the Bible says. And here and here's the point in our presentation where we just stick to the word of God because our like that our theology not, our arguments aren't going to impact people. The gospel is the power coming to salvation and it bypasses the head and goes to the heart. And so Justin, I'm just going to share with you what the Bible says. It says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Justin, it says, the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Justin, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And now, now what's going to happen is I'm going to tell Justin I'm going to pray for him. I'm not going to ask him, can I pray for him? I'm going to pray for him. Right now, I'm going to say a prayer for you. Dear Lord Jesus, help Justin right now. Bless him in his family with a long, healthy life. Make yourself so real to him. Touch his heart. And if Justin doesn't know you, God, I pray you do a quick work in his heart even now. And Justin, if you'd like to receive the gift of eternal life that God has for you, say this with me with your heart with your lips out loud and say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. Set me free. Set me free. I believe you died for me. I believe you died for me. And you rose again. And you rose again. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Give me passion for the lost. Give me a passion for the lost. A hunger for the things of God. A hunger for the things of God. A holy boldness. And a holy boldness. To preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Because I have Jesus in my heart. Because I have Jesus in my heart. Now, Justin, as a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I tell you today that all your sins have been forgiven. And always remember to run to God and not from God because he loves you and has a plan for your life. And that's at this point that you get their, try to get their information, invite them to church, and do everything you can to bring them to Christ. Now, a lot of people at this point would say, well, Adam, what about discipleship? Well, first let me say about discipleship, you have to lead somebody to Jesus, discipleship. So saying I'm not going to tell people about Jesus because I worry about discipleship is like saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go... Not gonna, I'm not going to go outside because, you know, like the Bible says, the Bible says the late man doesn't go out on the street because he's going to lie and will attack them. It's just they come up with all kinds of excuses as to why they're not going to do anything. It's just silly. So, you know, and if you read in the book of Acts, you know, this, this, this disciple named Philip, he's riding alongside this chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch, and God tells him to go talk to the eunuch. And so he goes and he talks to the eunuch, the eunuch to Jesus, baptizes him and immediately the Holy Spirit translates like two kinds of transports into another place. Now, notice that the Holy Ghost does not say, now, Philip, I don't want you to talk to this guy because you're not going to be able to follow up with and disciple this guy and uh, they, they help him get into full-time ministry. No, he just simply, the Holy Ghost knew what he was going to do. He had to tell him about Jesus anyway. Why? How will he hear without a preacher? And so we all must probably go to preach the gospel every preacher. Some people you'll be able to disciple but you won't, but we still have to give them the chance to receive Jesus. Amen? And, uh, Joel, any comments on that? I think he's lost them. So, Joel, did you hear everything you said just now? Um, I just really agree with everything that you said. It's really powerful to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who are lost. Those that are hurt, those who are broken, we're being God to them. Does anyone have any personal testimonies of people that they've led to Jesus? Tonight's episode is all about the love of God and salvation. Do you have any personal testimonies? We're going to have everyone give one that has personal testimonies of somebody that they've led to Jesus that, that really stands out among among uh, different, different ones that they've told. What about you, Deborah? Me? Uh, well, I have. Um Talking about recently or just one that just really comes one, to mind? Just one, one that really, really stands out. Well, there was um, 
I was, I, just, I don't know, I just popped in my, and I thought me about it. I just was clicking to this. I was on a Great Awakening and, uh, in Long Island when the first, when the Great Awakening church from our church first started. And I was at Long Island and I was first learning how to witness and soul win and, I was at a courthouse one time witnessing to these people, and um, I guess some rejected and some received, and and then the next day I was in the in the I guess in the town or whatever, not at the courthouse, but I was getting ready to cross the street, and the light was taking forever. In the corner of my eye, I saw this one guy. One guy starts to, he looks like he's trying to avoid me. He's throwing me and jump back real quick. And I'm thinking, well, he just knows I'm witnessing, so he's probably hiding. And so okay. I was standing at the, the at the just at, trying to cross the street, waiting for the light to change. And and then uh, um, the guy finally walks over and he says, I, I asked him, I said, I may have told you that God loves you and has a great plan for your life. And then uh, he says, I, I met you yesterday at the courthouse. He says, but I said no then. And then um, I witnessed to him just some more. You know, he said that he was trying to, he was trying to hide from me, but that he had to, the only way that he could go to his parole officer was to actually come down my street and cross the light. And he says, these are what I call coffee break lights. So I said, why is that? He says, that you can have coffee and a break and lunch and everything else where you cross them. So he walked, we walked across the street and we talked and he received Jesus and I could, you could see the tears coming down from, down his cheeks from behind his, uh, his sunglasses and you could see that he's very visibly, very visibly moved by it and uh, he received the Lord and, and I was just thinking about another one one time, how, you know, it, it amazes me with this soul winning that it really is all the Holy Spirit. It, because I've approached people that I would not normally approach. I was at um, the grocery store, and there was this guy. You could tell he was visibly drunk and probably high, too. And and I started to witness to him. And then, uh, you know, he started to back away. And it was like he was like the Holy Spirit just took control. Because as, as the guy was turning away, I actually grabbed his arm. And he's a pretty big guy. And I actually grabbed his arm, I pulled him around, and I said, has anybody ever told you that God loves you and has a great plan for your life? And then, uh, you know, he kind of like, he was shocked, and I was shocked when I pulled his arm uh, toward me and stopped him from leaving. And then when I said, if anybody ever told you that God loves you and has a great plan for your life, and he's like, no, well, anyway, he ended up receiving Jesus, and it was amazing because he was actually sober after after he prayed the prayer of salvation. And that was amazing. I prayed for him. I asked the Lord, you know, if he could let me know if he was okay and how he was doing. And about a month later, I saw him at the same grocery store. And he was totally sober. He had the light of God shining on him. And, and you know, I, I, he, I said, hi, you remember me? Or he walked up and says, hi, you remember me? I said, oh, yeah. And, and I said, how you doing? He says, I'm doing great. So that was really cool. I mean, I could testimony, testimony, testimony a lot. But, I mean, those are some ones that popped into my head. And, of course, 
when you start talking about one testimony, then it brings up another testimony, right. another testimony, another testimony. So, but yeah, there was like 7,000 people at Jesus. I'm sure she's got quite a few. <laughs> and uh, so, Justin, what about you? What do you got? Like, name, name, think of a time when you led somebody to Jesus that was real, that really stands out among some of the others. Well, you know, actually, uh, just last Saturday, we were doing an outreach, and um, there was this guy, and he really stuck out to me because I knew his situation because I could tell, you know, he had dirty clothes on, you know, hair matted down. And so, you know, a buddy from school was like, hey, while we're doing the altar call, I want each one of y'all to go find somebody, and I want you to pray for them specifically I want you to get their information. I want you to get them to church on Sunday. I was like, okay, okay. So I was sitting there, and I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, guide me to who you want me to. He's like, I already did. So I walked over there, and I started talking to him, you know, and he pretty much told me, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm homeless. You know, I don't really know what I'm doing right now. So I was like, okay, okay. So I got him to answer the altar call. And then I prayed with him to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as soon as I did, if there wasn't somebody standing behind him, he was going to hit the pavement. Because as soon as I put hands on him, he just like gasped. He's like, Ooh, and then he like fell. And as soon as he started falling, somebody called him, thank the Lord, because he was going to smack that pavement. And then when he got up, it's like his whole attitude and demeanor changed. He wasn't all slouched over, talking depressed. He was, his whole face just changed. He had a smile on. You know, he's like, oh, you know, I felt that. He's like, I don't know what just happened. He's like, and I don't know what I just said. He's like, but whatever I just said, it felt good. And I was like, oh, <laughs> praise the Lord. And... Then that Sunday, he ended up going to church, you know, and praise the Lord, he's coming back again this week. So, you know, God is good. Yeah, and, and, you know, Justin didn't do anything special. Justin just, he spoke the gospel, and he had the power of God. And it was the, it was the gospel and the power of God that touched this man. You know, it wasn't his great theological arguments. It was that he, he this that is that God did. In fact, the thing about it is that he uh, uh, it starts in the heart. You know, I have a friend of mine who tried to witness to her atheist brother, and the guy kept trying to like shut her down, but she kept persisting with the gospel. And when she got to the point where you pray and pray to Jesus, the guy actually prayed, and then he, for a brief moment he was like, "Thank you." Thank you. I mean, he on this guy before, he's like, I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist. But then he's like, thank you, thank you. And it takes it like, wait, 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 I'm an atheist. So God was working in his heart before his mind even had a chance to catch up with it. Because it starts in the heart. And uh, in my own testimony, you know, there was like one time I was doing an outreach. And I was out in the middle of you know, a really bad neighborhood doing outreach. And um, it was just me. You know, dark. And uh, this guy previously walked by me. He remembered me. And then he comes up to me as I'm, leaving, as I'm giving him a call to receive Jesus. Leans over, whispers in my ear, you know, I'm, and says, I feel like killing somebody. You know, and I'm like, uh, I'm a white boy in the middle of a really bad area. It's getting dark at night, and I got, I'm trying to preach the gospel. I got some guy walk over me and tell me, I feel like killing somebody. And I'm just like, well, praise the Lord tonight. And I, but I, 
I tell them, you know, okay, well, man, and I, I say this prayer with me with their heart. Well, you can listen out loud. And I, and I had him accept Jesus. And then he got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. And he went from, and then he was, uh, and he was down on one knee on the, on the, on the grass. Wow. And then afterwards, he told me, I was on, I saw my woman with another man today, and I was on my way to the apartment, but I felt to stop here. So wow. that's uh, one example of just the importance of the power of when we go preach the gospel, you know. And um, what about you, Joel? Any, any, any times when you've led somebody to Jesus or told them about Jesus where you've really kind of stands out among some of the others? Uh, yeah, I do. I do have a testimony. Um, there was this one guy, um, actually a Bible well, uh, a student that uh, goes to school with me, um, she actually witnessed to this guy, and she brought him to the church. He got mm-hmm. saved, and she brought him to the church. And it was it, immediately. It was on a Sunday afternoon. She she ministered to him and brought him to the church. And uh, but she brought him to me because it's not wise for a, a female to disciple uh, a male. So she brought him mm-hmm. to me. So I took him under my wing, and uh, we, we sat through service, and yeah, we enjoyed it. And he, his life was so was so changed, and he was so touched by the experience that he had that he wanted me to go and minister to his family. So we uh, so we took him home uh, one day. We took him home, and he invited me in, and he wanted me to minister to his family. And I had the opportunity to uh, leave his uh, grandfather and his uh, cousin in the prayer of salvation. Well, um, and that was about a month ago. And uh, yesterday, actually, um, the guy, he called me. He was, he was calling me, called me like three or four times back to back. So I called him back, and he was uh, he was telling me that his uh, grandfather was really sick, and that uh, he needed to have a uh, brain surgery because he had uh, a couple of blood clots, and he had to have them removed. Uh, either he, if he didn't have them removed, that he was going to die. But if, even if he did have the surgery to have them removed, there was a, a high chance, a high probability that he may pass away. And he wanted me to pray with his grandfather. And um, I called his grandfather, and I spoke with him, but. At, and he seemed like he was totally at peace. He was totally at peace about uh, what was going on. I did have the opportunity to pray with him. But I, he, one thing he said to me, he said that he really wanted to go home and be with the Lord. And he, he wasn't. He didn't start fighting. He wanted to go home and be with the Lord. But I mean, I, I really totally had peace in the situation. He also had peace in the situation because I knew that he had said the prayer of salvation. I had the opportunity to pray with him a month ago before he came into this situation. So he had peace in the situation, and he's ready to go home. So I mean, that was really powerful that I, I mean, I was um, I, that I was able to pray for him, and I know that he's going to be with the Lord. He's going to heaven. Amen. Yeah. You know, the last thing I want to say before we go off the air is that you know, there was a it, it, previously because the church was not really doing their job. You know, God had to raise up people like the Reinhard Bonkies and the Billy Grahams. And I'm not saying that that will cease, per se. But we're entering into a day in this last day's revival when the gospel, once again, is going to be preached by the everyday believer that the, the Deborahs, you know, uh, the, 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 you know she's, not, she's not a Billy Graham, she's not on TV, but she's led 7,000 people to Jesus. You know, uh, so we're entering into a day when, you know, the, the last the, the Bible says the rise shine for the glory of the Lord will rise upon you when the last day's church is going to rise up when you know in the gas stations in the WalMarts and everywhere we go whether we work a secular job or whether we're in full time ministry 
but the, the the church will rise up and, and begin to tell and tell people about Jesus in these last days, and that's how it's going to happen. The the, the end. The world is not going to come. The, the Bible says that Jesus can't will not return until all the nations have heard, and, and all the nations are going to hear via via the Billy Grahams and the Reinhard Bonkies. All the nations will hear when the everyday believer rises up and says, "I'm going to go." I'm going to go to my neighborhood, and I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to tell people about Jesus around my, around where I'm at. And if everybody will do that, then everybody will hear the gospel. And uh, and, that, and we're heading to the day where the last day's army is going to is going to rise up. You know, God's raising up an army. And so, for anyone who hears this and says, "Well, I need a method. I mean, just I mean, just some way, something to give me some way to go and lead people to Jesus." I want to encourage anyone to go to revival.com and right there on the front page there's a section that says "Soul Winning Tools." And um, there's this uh, tool that we use. There's a lot of tools, but one of the tools is called the Gospel Soul Winning Script. And it's simply the method that I use in my role play with Justin there to lead somebody to Jesus. Say, well, I'm spiritual. I don't need a script. Well, get, well how many people are you leading to Jesus? If the answer is, like, not 7,000, then might, maybe you might want to try getting this Gospel Soul Winning Script and go and go and just simply, and he uses the foolish things to confound the wise and just simply read the Gospel to people and give people a chance to receive Jesus and watch what God does in your life. I know when I came to the Bible school and I started going out and doing this, it was like the joy of the Lord would fill me. And I remember like one time I, I, w- I went up into this parking lot where this homeless team I used to minister to, they were there, and I was going to go up and just start ministering to all the homeless people. And it's like the power of God came on me, and this lady who got up on the bus, she came up into that parking lot, and she didn't know why she was even there. But she asked me to pray for her. I prayed for her. The Holy Ghost touched her. She she went down on the asphalt, but then she got baptized in the church the next Sunday. You know, so it, it would not happen if there was not somebody going out and preaching the gospel. Now, some might say, well, well, Adam, but I believe even if I don't do it, that God's going to get somebody to that person. And that's not really necessarily true, because the Bible says to pray the laborers would be sent to the harvest. So if if everyone was going to hear, then why would Jesus say, "Well, pray for the laborers," because everyone's going to hear anyway? You say, you know, it is absolutely because a lot of people ask, "Well, what about the Buddhists? What about the Muslims? What about the people who never hear the gospel? Will they go to hell?" And the answer is yes. And you say, "Well, that's unfair." You're absolutely correct. It is completely unfair. It is completely unfair that believers that have the gospel do not do their part and tell those people about Jesus that they might go to heaven. It is completely unfair, but it's unfair on our part, not on Jesus. He's done what he what he's done what he's gonna do. And so I just want to encourage everyone, do your part. You know, if you don't like that method, get another method. But as long as you're well, there's plenty of methods, you know. Amen. And so just go out and uh and start leading people to Jesus. Go to revival.com, it's a great tool. Lead people to Jesus and give it and give people a chance to receive the gospel. And uh, and I'm just going to open it up. Just uh, anyone else have anything they want to say before we go off the air? Well, we've got about 34 minutes, so we still have a little bit of time. Yeah, we still have like about 34 minutes. And just um, just to let you know about uh, when I was saying there are many different methods. Mm-hmm. Um, there's on Revival.com when you go to the Soul Winning Tools, you just basically scroll all the way down of the front page and it'd be at the very bottom. And uh, there's um, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of uh, methods. There's like um, the one that of course you and Justin did, and then that you demonstrated. And they also have a power evangelism soul winning packet on there, and they have a power evangelism video training classes. 
and they have gospel soul winning scripts not only in English but in Afrikaans, Chinese, Japanese, Italian. The whole list is so long I can't even read it all. Uh, it takes too much time. And then they also have gospel audio scripts also in several different languages, in Dutch and Polish and English and other languages. And then they have a power evangelism note and street tips. And then they have internet evangelism. And they even have a text message or a Twitter script. And uh, so they've got a lot of resources there. And they even have a follow-up DVD. And um, so they have that follow-up DVD that you can give to them. And our pastors, Pastors Ronnie and Adonica Howard Brown, they they put together a little fee with, with uh, questions you might have about things. They answer them on there. And talk about salvation, give you a little bit of a of a training on how to lead somebody to Jesus. And that that gospel, uh, that follow up CD is actually free on online. Uh, that you can actually get that one. And also another, they also have on here. Um, they have nursing home soul winning tools and they even have billboard magazine t-shirt evangelism wallpaper there's clayb.com and actually on this uh on the source on um, on the soul winning tools page they do have the follow-up dvd under other resources so there are a lot of a lot of things on here and they even have my they even have bible study materials and friendship evangelism. They have all kinds of good stuff. So, basically, anything that you need to be able to preach the gospel, it's there. Uh, right. A, a really effective tool is also the soul winning survey. Um, yeah. The, uh, the survey is basically is the gospel question and answer form, and it's, it's very simple to just go to people and just say, "Hey, I'm I'm I, I'm here with my I'm my church, and we're asking you to fill out a quick survey. If you could do that for me, that would be amazing." And it just leads them question and answer through a gospel presentation. And at the end it says, did you pray the above prayer, receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, yes or no? And uh, I actually did that with my boss at work. Unfortunately, he said no. But the point is is that he, he received the gospel. Whereas he was, uh, I don't know, when it's a really good time to catch him, I wasn't able to just walk in and say, hey, uh, they never told you that God loves you and has a great plan for your life. He probably, I don't really know what his reaction would have been, probably go back to your desk and get on the phone and go to work. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I was able to give him the survey, and he returned it to me filled out, so the seed was planted. Uh, so that's another very effective uh, tool when you're in a situation where maybe you don't feel that just walking up to people and confronting them with the gospel might be the best way, that you would still want to get the gospel. And the gospel so many scriptures, and you can also leave it places. I know people that just they, just because they found they like a a, a gospel a piece of gospel material got stuck to their shoe when they were walking they picked it up and they, they read it and the gospel touched their hearts. Um, I know of people I know that uh, the ministry that in order to get the gospel into North Korea like they, they fill the as you can North Korea is the most closed nation on the planet. They they literally take these balloons and they fill these balloons with like gospel materials and there's a device on the balloon that like, with a time release, like, drops gospel materials all over the ground throughout North Korea for people to find and read so they can actually get the gospel. The point is, there's nothing, the, the gospel, whatever form it's giving, is the most powerful message on the earth. 
and if you'll give it, it will touch hearts and lives. That's why we're here. Let's not stand before the Lord knowing that we didn't impact anybody. Let's find, let's get, let's, let's get up and be the last day's army that we're supposed to be. Uh, anything you want to say about that, uh, Justin? Uh, Justin's not here right now. He's going he's gonna to try and call back in a little while. Okay, well, but, uh, Joel, what about you? Pardon me? Is Joel on? Yes, Joel's Joel, still here. Anything you want to say about that, Joel? He might be either away from the phone, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I, but, you know, um, I'm just thinking about how, uh, but, you know, Justin, Justin may call back later. Um, I don't know. I was just thinking about how it, you know, we started the show off with the love of God, and then we talked about salvation, and then we kind of got into our own little Bible, um, our own little salvation training, our little soul winning training, which is cool. It's just the way that the Holy Spirit led it. And uh, it's, it's important. And it's also, you know, if there's another method or whatever that somebody has out there and they don't like ours, but they have one and it's effective into winning souls. Yeah, I mean, I used a different method before I came to the river and people got saved. I just think this is a very effective method. And, uh, um, but however, it's like, I mean, so we're not saying this is the only method. We're saying it's a good method, it's an effective method. But right. we're, we're encouraging anyone, if you've got a method and it's and it can it will lead people to Jesus, right. then go use it. Let's not sit around in fear anymore. Um, you know, it's just like, well, I, you know, well, Adam, I, I need that boldness. Okay, well, we have no problem praying for boldness, but understand, even after you pray for boldness, the only way you, you actually get out of fear is by facing your fears. And Joyce, Joyce Meyer said once, she said, you got to do it afraid. So if you've right. you got to go with your knees shaking, you do it. And uh, mm. you'll find it step out and preach the gospel, you'll find the anointing rising up on the inside of you and swallowing up that fear as you go from person to person. Before you know it, you'll have to be running after people um, to, go, to go preach the gospel to them. Right. Because, uh, and, uh, because, it's, because he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Yes, you know, I, I remember the first time that I, I, that I was taught how to... Um, you know, that they were training me on how to how to lead people to the Lord. I remember that they started me off in in uh they started me off in nursing home. And that's where I first where I first learned. And so um uh, so uh so anyway, so so that's where I first learned was in, in nursing homes. And um, so that's where I called. I mean, that's where I uh, first was in nursing homes. And even in there, I did bachelor, so I'd never done anything like that before. And so, um, so uh, you know, I, got, I, I started to learn in the nursing homes, and I went around with the people and uh, with the older, older people. It was really sad to see. Uh, you know, they're pretty much left to die. I know there's a lot of testimonies about people in nursing homes and how a lot of the soul winners have gone there, and they have they have witnessed to them, but uh, they've they've just you know this one lady, this older lady, she the soul winner hadn't even said anything to her, and she's just like you know on her side, and she's just groaning, and she's like, my soul is lost. My soul is lost, and then he led her to the Lord. And there was another person who 
went and he witnessed to this lady in a nursing home and and she started to say the started to say the prayer and she says, um, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. And then she's like, I receive you. And she's like, and she got to the part where um, I receive you as my Lord and, and Savior, and I'm 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 on my way to heaven. And those were her last words. She literally was on her way to heaven. So you know, I think the importance of sharing the gospel, the importance yeah, of doing is makes no, an eternal destiny because there's. You know, there's so many testimonies that I've heard of, like, like one time, I mean, I've, I've heard so many in, in church and so many other people share on on how there was this one guy, he was a, 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 re, a retired firefighter, and he, he just woke up one morning and he felt led, just felt really, really prompted to go to the gas station. And he's thinking, I don't need anything from the gas station. So he he went to the gas station and he felt led to go into the into the men's restroom. So he went to the men's restroom and he saw a gentleman standing there and they just started chatting and he he shared the gospel with them. And he felt a sense of urgency with this man. And then he uh, uh, the man received the Lord Jesus and then he had a heart attack like two minutes later and the retired firefighter tried to. Uh, who tried to um, who tried to uh, uh, resuscitate him, but he couldn't. So that guy died. I mean, sometimes we think, oh, I might not be able to to get that, you know, to to win for that person. I I don't make a difference, but that you could be or I could be their last witness. And um, uh, Justin or Joel, either one of you have anything to say? Welcome back, Justin. Amen. Thank you so much for having me back. You know, I remember there was one testimony at church. You know, I don't know, Miss Deborah, you might remember. The lady was talking about how she got onto a bus to go soul winning. And uh, she was talking to the guy in the back. And uh, he had a gun on him. And he's like, yeah, I'm on my way to go kill somebody. And then, you know, she prayed with him and he didn't go. So the person that he ended up praying with, or that she ended up praying with, she ended up not only saving him, but saving whoever he was going for. Right. right. That's so true. Yeah, um, I just know that when when you preach the gospel, it's like I can think of uh, so many times, like even before I even had this particular method, I mean, it was honestly when I first gotten saved, and, um, you know, I was on the bus uh, on my way from Colorado to here, and there was a guy on the bus who, um, I don't know if it was cancer, it was some kind of, but basically the disease had eaten away, like, part of his face. I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of grotesque to look at, but, I mean, I'm talking to the guy, and I had, th- I had a three-day trip on the bus, so I'm on the Greyhound, so I'm, like, talking to the guy, and the guy, and the guy you know, received Jesus on the bus, and, um, and basically what happened... I don't even know if I'm if I remember praying. I'm pretty sure I did pray with him. This is like what I'm like 15 years ago. Uh, but anyway, I wound up staying in touch with him and calling him, and he he was so he was so touchy. He went home and told his whole family about it. So you just never know the impact you're going to make on people's lives. There's hurting people all around us, 
We really just got to open our eyes and listen. And, uh, you know, there's a, a thing that says, you know, hurt people hurt people. So sometimes the people around you that need the witness the most are the people that um, are the most aggravating sometimes to be around. And uh, that that's me preaching to myself even because, um, you know, in my own workplace I deal with some really, really difficult people. And tonight's message on the love of God, I know, is going to help me be more loving towards them. And as we were speaking for, you so love to read love. So uh, just... Um, that's what I have to say about that. That uh, we have to we have to share the gospel with those around us. Heaven is our home, and uh, we don't want to we don't want to we don't want these people to go into a lost eternity. Jesus doesn't want these people to go into a lost eternity. We have a method by which we can tell those around us about Jesus. And um, and the last testimony I'm going to give is just uh, I remember once I was at work and I had come from an evangelism conference at work, and uh, I had actually gone into a Taco Bell and I'm, I'm witnessing I'm literally telling this guy about Jesus he's sitting there trying to eat his enchilada what is taco whatever it is he's got in his hand and uh, and uh, he actually puts his uh, enchilada down his taco down whatever it is and prays to receive Jesus in the middle of the Taco Bell I came back to work they asked me what I did on my vacation because that's what I did on my vacation that's that's what we do at the river we don't go to we don't go on cruises we go to you know church conferences you know, on vacation and um and we and they asked me what you do on your vacation. I'm like, well, I went to this evangelism conference. They're like, well, and these and I'm I'm totally like putting the hook in their jaw. You know, I'm, I'm opening the door, and they're like, well, Adam, what do you do in evangelism conference? I'm like, well, you learn to evangelize, and they're like, well, tell us how you do that. And they don't even know that they're actually asking to preach the gospel to them. Right there. And so they're like, well, can and I literally got four people sitting in their chair with me, chairs with me, going, well, can you demonstrate? I'm like sure, uh, <laughs> and so and so I had like we're asking to like preach the gospel, and people are hungry, and um, it's just and if you'll if they'll just speak it, and even if they don't seem like they're hungry, like I said, it can still touch their heart. Uh, but people really are hungry, and we're into a day when people are going to be looking for answers more than other and more than any other time in history. Uh, times are not going to get better, folks. It's going to get worse, and we have to be the light in the darkness. Yeah, I've got the, you know, since we're talking about love and salvation and all this, I I feel that it would be good to read 1 Corinthians 13. It's basically called the love chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But 
where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And we have about 16 minutes left, so really roughly about 15 minutes. So if it's all right with you, Adam, I'd like to get the last words of, or last thoughts of you, Justin, and, and Joel, and then Adam, and then I guess I could close it out. That's good. Uh, so, um, uh, Justin, you want to give us your uh, last thoughts on it? I don't know if we still got Joel on the line or not, but Justin, I'd love to hear your last your last thoughts on that. You, we still have about 16 minutes. Well, you know, one thing that I can really say is that, you know, the most well, Adam, important your, thing. Your last thoughts on all of this. We have roughly 15 minutes. Okay. You know, uh, like, so, jo- Justin, can I, uh, did I hear you trying to talk? Yeah. Oh, sorry. And Justin, what uh, do you have to say? Any, any last thoughts, Justin? Uh, you know, basically all I can really say after this whole radio show is that, you know, the most important thing is that we have to, as a body of Christ, go out and each do the Great Commission and go tell somebody about Jesus, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's the mailman. Just go tell everyone that you can because, you know, at the end of the day, the only thing we can take with us to heaven is souls. You know, everything else that, you know, we have, we have to leave behind, but souls we can take with us. Joel, anything you want to say? I don't know. Yeah, I think we lost Joel, okay. Yeah, no, Joel's here. Um, oh, Joel, here you are. <laughs> Joel, uh, yeah, along with what we were talking about, we're uh, kind of leaving the last thoughts for the night. We're kind of uh, winding down here. Anything you want to, any last things you want to say? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, this is a quote from uh, one of our pastors over at the river, uh, Pastor uh, Alan Hall. And he said that God is the definition of love, not the other way around. Ooh. So love doesn't define God. God defines love. He is love. In uh, 1 John chapter 4, uh-huh. in uh, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and he knoweth God. So I think I just want to char- uh, charge every Christian to be sure that they walk in love and they live in love because they are demonstrating their relationship with God and who they are in God as they walk in the love of God. And it's just um, in another episode we're going to be talking about relationship. We're going to focus a whole show on just relationship with Jesus. And drawing near, and how to know this God that we're talking about. Not just know about Him, but how to actually know Him. And it's through that relationship, enabled 
um, to love others. Uh, you know, I'm going to leave my part with this quote, you know, uh, always stuck with me. You know, judgment would say, you know, take the person that killed my son and kill them too, you know, because all of us have put Jesus on the cross. And if Jesus was like us, you know, we would probably say, well, take the person that killed my son and kill him too, you know, eye for an eye. Uh, mercy says, take the person that killed my son and just let him live. You know, we're just going to let him go. We're just going to let him go. Grace says, love says, take the person that killed my son, adopt him and give him my son's inheritance. You know, all of us put Jesus on the cross, our sins, but God came down in the form of man, died on the cross, took our punishment that we that we might be adopted into the family and be given and be given that son's inheritance because the Bible says that we will inherit all things. Um, so that that is amazing love. That is amazing grace. That uh, after everything we've done, uh, that He says He's adopted us and, and given. He didn't just let us live. He actually He's adopted us and given us His inheritance. Deborah. Yes, I'm uh, I'm trying to get somebody a special guest on the line and see if I've succeeded. Which uh, let me see. Here we go. Try it again. Okay. All right. Well, while David's waiting on that, I just um, we're just gonna leave leave God. Does anyone here have any prayer requests? Justin, uh, Joel, any prayer requests at all? We can all agree on. Yeah, I think we should pray that um, every Christian come to know God and know his love personally and intimately. Because out of that love relationship that Christians are able to go out and share their salvation with others. And I believe and I believe with all my heart that in this day of the Great Awakening, uh, as this revival that's gonna come that's gonna bring this age to a close, that uh, we'll see that more and more. Um and and so we're gonna pray for we're gonna pray for that and we're gonna pray for revival in all of our lives, uh, the deeper walk with God. And Justin, any any prayer requests at all? Uh, just pray for the great awakening that's going on in Baltimore right now. You know, pray for a bountiful harvest from it. Okay, that's that's huge. Okay, so we're gonna so all, we're all gonna agree for this massive thing called the great awakening uh, for many souls to get saved. That the plans of the enemy won't be hindered. Uh, in this uh, great awakening, um, and just uh, I don't want to go into a ton of detail on it, but uh, as we're praying, I just want everyone to agree. Uh, prayer. I'm going through some health issues right now, so if anyone just pray for me on that, that would be great as well. That's a first thing, but it's been coming about the last couple of weeks, and it's uh, believe me on that one. So, all right, and uh, so right now, God, in the name of Jesus, we pray for. You know, we pray for we pray for a great revival in the church. We pray for. All of us to come into a deeper walk with you. The Bible says, if "We seek, we will find you." If we search for you all our heart. So, we pray, God, right now, that if we start getting distracted by other things, even ministry, God, that you'll stir our hearts today to remind us that it's all about the relationship, God, and that we'll come back and we'll come to that place of just seeking you with our whole hearts, God, in the name of Jesus, that we might have a flo- something to flow out of to minister to the lost, God, in the name of Jesus, God. So, just pray that you'll you'll touch our hearts, God, and help us to. Uh, we have a special. Right. Uh, we do have a special guest on. Who's, uh, who's our special guest? Robbie, thank you for calling. Hello, how are you doing? Can you hear us? Yes, can y'all hear me? Are you on right now? Yes, Hello, can Robbie? you hear me? I got you on the line. 
Well, we got Rock Hello, can you hear me? We're talking about, we're talking about salvation and the love of God. Everyone's given their testimony, but the show would not be complete. We were praying, but the show would not be complete without Robbie. We got about nine. I'm sorry, go ahead. Without Robbie giving his testimony. Yeah, we got about, you got about maybe six minutes. I know you can do a great job. It wouldn't be complete without your testimony, Robbie. So just tell us what God's done in your life since you've been saved, Robbie. How was your testimony? Just, you testimony, yeah. Okay, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I didn't grow up in the ministry. You know, I started off at a really young age. You know, my mother and father, I grew up with them. My father used to abuse me at a very young age, and I used to be in basketball and sports and grew up in school as a really good kid. But I got older in my life, and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life anymore. And at 15 years old, when I was supposed to be a high school basketball player, my mother and my father ended up getting divorced. And I became a drug dealer at 15, 16 years old. In the blink of an eye, everything that I chased and went after went downhill. And I got older in my life, 15, 16, 17, was spending half of my life in jail, had warrants every week. The cops knew me by name. I was running the streets at a really young age. I got older and older in my life, wondering who am I going to be and what am I going to do. But the whole time I was empty and missing a piece of the puzzle, and I couldn't figure out who am I supposed to be, where am I supposed to go, why am I not happy, why don't I feel this joy, this peace, this comfort like everybody tells me about, why don't I fit in like everybody else. I hit 18 years old and my father started to realize who I was. And the rug hit the road right then and there. My father realized that I was a monster and that I was a gangbanger and a hustler and I was stealing from him. And he threw me outside of the house at 18 years old. I became homeless on the streets. I was desperate for a change. I didn't know where I was going to go in my life. I didn't know what I was going to do or who I was going to become. And I remember sitting on the streets at 18 years old and somebody came to me on the streets from a church called the River at Tampa Bay Church down in Tampa, Florida. And one of the students who was a part of their Bible school came to me, and they shared what is called the Gospel Soul Winning Script. And the Gospel Soul Winning Script has the living Word of God on it. The Bible said we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And somebody came to me and shared that eternal life with me. The void that I was missing wasn't a club or a liquor or a color or a tattoo. The void that I was missing was Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Everyone in the world who is empty is in need of one thing, and they're all in need of a Savior. You see, Jesus came and changed and touched my life, and Jesus didn't come to condemn us and to put us down. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. But why did God love the world? He sent his only son that we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life, regardless of what you've gone through or who you might be or what you've gone through or who you are today or who you used to be yesterday or who your family or who your friends know you to be. That's not who Jesus knows you to be and who he wants you to be and who he has a plan for you. So you might be listening on this radio right now and say, I've gone through many things. I feel hopeless. I feel like I'm a nobody. I feel like I'm a nothing. I feel like I can't make it, like I have no purpose in life. Well, Jesus can come and redirect your past. Jesus can come and change you. God takes ordinary people in an ordinary world and does extraordinary 
ordinary things with them, regardless of your circumstance, your height, your color, your race, who you might have been, how you might have been and done it. God is looking for people who are willing to change, and he is the changer. He is the one who changes people's lives. So there might be people listening right now under the sound of my voice, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You've never accepted Jesus Christ. You've never believed in God. You've never ran to God. Maybe there's people under the sound of my voice listening to this radio that you have accepted Jesus, that you are saved, but you're not living for him like you know you should. You once loved God with all your heart. You used to read your Bible. You used to live radical for Jesus, but you've gone far, far, far away from him. And maybe there's people that are listening right now that you are saved, but the devil's taking you out. He's lying to you. He's used friends and family and co-workers and workers and bosses and your whole atmosphere around you to come and persuade you to conform to the ways of the world. And you say, I really want to give my life to Jesus today. I really want to know where I'm going. I want to get back on track. I want to do what God has called me to do. I'm tired of living in the world. I'm tired of living this way. I want to cry out to Jesus. Well, I have good news for you, my friend. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The price that Jesus paid is not for one, but it's for all. So if you're in this place right now, you're listening on this radio, and you don't know Jesus or you've accepted him, you're not living for him like you should, and you don't know where you're going, before I get off this radio, I want you to say a simple prayer with me. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Set me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, and I accept you now as my Lord and Savior. Now, if you said that prayer, I want to let you know that the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we will be saved. And by you saying that prayer, not some, not a little bit, but all your sins have been forgiven. And always remember to run to God and not from God because he loves you and he has a plan for your life. And remember, don't give up, lift your head up high, and God uses ordinary people. God bless you all, and you all have a wonderful night. Thank you so much for calling, Robbie. I tell you, that was some awesome, powerful, powerful words of wisdom and testimony. We overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and love letter and love not our lives till the end. Yeah, so, yeah, um, we did interrupt a prayer when, when you came on, so I, I won't interrupt because you were coming on, but um, I'll let Adam go ahead and and pray and uh, let you know that we do have three at three minutes adam probably less so Pastor, why don't you go ahead and do a favor and pray for the great awakening right now lord i just thank you right now for the bountiful harvest of souls lord as you've sent the laborers out there to baltimore lord i just thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper lord Lord, that everything that they put their hands to shall prosper. Lord, that everyone's ears are anointed to hear and their hearts are open to receive the gifts that you have for them, Lord. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for lives being changed, radically changed, Lord. Lord, for more people to just come to know you, Lord, and to enter into the kingdom, Lord. I just thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for it. And the last thing I'm going to pray for before we get off the air is we know that there's something horrific that the enemy has planned for this nation. Our pastor has been talking about it. So right now we're just going to command the sun that's not set yet in the name of Jesus God. So we have one more hour of daylight. 
reap the harvest, God. We get together right now and name it. The plans of the enemy for this nation are broken, God. We pray for America. And we thank you right now in the name of Jesus, God, that the devil's plan will not be accomplished for this nation, God. In the name of Jesus, he'll have his hour, but it is not yet, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you right now. This plan is broken, God. Name of Jesus, we thank you right now. If this plan is broken, speak to the Son. Jesus, the harvest will Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, and we've got about like a minute, so right. if anybody else has any requests, we can throw in like a really quick, powerful prayer. Anybody want to jump in? Any, any guests, guests or Adam or 60 seconds. seconds, this British voice is telling me. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> we're going to call it done then for the night. Yeah. Thank you for everybody that came on. Everybody that's Thank listening. you, everybody. Please comment um, you've listened to the show and let us know uh, how it's impacted you. Feedback is amazing. That helps us. And for everyone who listened or everyone that's listening, have a good day. Have a good night. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. Bye-bye. I reiterate that, and I would like to say good night, too, and say thank you to everybody that called. And uh, please uh, keep in touch and comment and follow us. We'll be on tomorrow live at at 9 o'clock. We look forward to seeing you. God bless you. Thanks again, callers and guests and listeners. Bye-bye.